Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey service for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com. Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Joe Wren. Legendary IU basketball coach Bob Knight died this week, and today we're going to talk with guests about his impact on Indiana basketball and the people who knew him. We have two guests. One is here in the studio with us. John Laskowski was a member of Bob Knight's first recruiting class, played at IU from 1971 to 1975. He was uh, often called the super sub on Knight's teams, coming off the bench to average nearly 11 points a game in his career. Since retiring as a player, uh, John Laskowski has worked as a television color commentator and play-by-play analyst for IU basketball games uh, and on the Big Ten Network. And in 2018, he opened Culver's here in Bloomington. Steve Green is joining us on Zoom. Steve Green was Knight's very first basketball recruit in 1971 out of Silver Creek High School. Played for the Hoosiers through 1975 and started on that team that finished the regular season undefeated. He averaged 14.5 points over his career, and after his basketball career, he became a dentist. I also want to note that both uh, Steve Green and John Laskowski were taken in the NBA draft, and they were taken two spots apart in the second round. If you have questions or comments for us today, you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition, or Twitter is now X, by the way, or you can join us on the air by calling 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send your questions for the show to news at indianapublicmedia.org, and we'd like to hear from anybody who wants to have a comment about Coach Knight. So, Joe, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me today. (laughs) Really appreciate it. All right. So, um, John Laskowski first, and then Steve Green. When did you last see Coach? Um, he would come in the Culver's quite a bit. Uh, Karen would, would bring him over, and he sat in the third booth over by the front door, and people would come by and, and say hello, and he would uh, take pictures. He would sign autographs. It was a different kind of guy, like a grandfather kind of guy, little kids especially. He loved little kids to come over. Um, and then eventually he stopped coming. Uh, I think his health just got too bad. Uh, but every time he'd come up, I'd, I'd raise, she, Karen would tell me he's coming. So I'd run over the front door, grab the door, and he'd walk in. He usually had his Army stuff on. He had a, a New York City hat he loved to wear, and he had an Army jacket and a New York uh, fireman's jacket that he used to wear. Uh, but when he got inside, everybody knew he was the Indiana coach, and they wanted a chance to be with him. We opened our Seymour restaurant uh, a year ago, and I invited him to come out to that one, and he did. And, and the, the, the restaurant was packed. I saved a table for him. I said, Coach, we're going to have to walk in the back door, I, uh, the patio door. It's just too crowded here in the lobby. And we go in the back door, okay? And I open the door, and he walks in. Of course, all the tables are full. And right away, they knew who it was. They stood <laughs> out. The, the, the crowd all stood up and clapped for him. And he sat and took pictures and signed stuff. So he really enjoyed that a lot more at the end of his life than he did during his coaching days. Uh, didn't really have time for that because he wanted to get to the players. But at the end, uh, he really appreciated what Indiana basketball meant to him. Steve Green, how about you? Yeah, I uh, actually saw Coach, I spent uh, a couple hours uh, about three weeks ago, uh, and Pat, his son, was there at his house, and uh, actually was on my 70th birthday, October 4th, and I told my wife, Lan, I said, uh, I, I got a feeling I need to get down. You know, I had seen him in June or July, uh, was kind of the last time that uh, we, and at that time, he certainly wasn't, uh, I, I, I'm not so sure he 
well, I'm sure he, he didn't know exactly who it was, but uh, but there was still interaction. But this last time, I, I my mother, I mean, yeah, my mother, uh, you know, passed away several years ago. But uh, the last couple of years were much like Coach's last couple. Mm-hmm. So I and I told you know Pat and I talked, and he said, yeah, it, it's it's going to be soon. And that was it. That was the last time that I got to, got to see him. So what about the first time you guys got to meet him? As a recruiter, what kind of a guy was he? How did he convince you guys to come to IU? Well, uh, we didn't know who he was. You know, he was at Army. He was young. Um, I asked my high school coach, Bob Donawald, about him. He said, well, he plays defense a lot, but we play defense here at St. Joe High, so you'll be fine. But he didn't tell me all the, <laughs> all the stuff about him. But um, – you know, it's interesting, Steve. Now they have the ratings of how players rank in the country, you know, and Coach Woodson's done a great job of going after the top 25, top 50, you know. I think I would have been uh, over 500, Steve. You would have been <laughs> below, but I would have been over 500. So I was not a prize recruit. But he got the job in March. Uh, season was starting. Most of the guys decide where they're going to go. Uh, I actually found out after time I was the third choice for my position. Uh, there was a guard out of East Chicago, uh, Pete Trigovich, and there was a guard forward out of Greenwood, Jerry Nichols. They both turned him down. And after they turned him down, he, he came to me. Now, he never told me that, but, <laughs> but I found out later. And, man, what a great opportunity I had to be able to come to Indiana. Mm-hmm. What about you, Steve, especially being his first recruit? Yeah, a, a little bit. Uh, different in, in that uh, my father was my high school basketball coach. So we, you know, he kind of, uh, oh, I, I don't know, he filtered visitors, if you will. <laughs> and uh, it's it's interesting that when Coach came, uh, as Laz said, he, he was hired in March of 71. And in April, he, he started what he did, what he told me later was he started at the northern part of the state. You know, and that's where he was talking about Perkovich and Laz and and others up there. And he worked his way down. And the last two people he saw in the state of Indiana were uh, Mr. Basketball, Mike Flynn at Jeffersonville High School, a rival of mine and myself. And uh, my dad took me out of class and said, hey, I want you to uh, sit down with a new IU basketball coach. And I'd always wanted to go to IU. Uh, at, at that time in April of 71, I'd, I'd pretty much put that out of my mind that uh, uh, until coach arrived, because there was, let's face it, there was some turmoil in the program. Uh, that's one of the reasons he was brought in. So uh, I, I just thought my dream of following the Van Arsdales and John McLaughlin and, uh, you know, gosh, Bolliard and, and those guys uh was not going to happen so i turned my attention to the southeastern conference of vanderbilt and kentucky but uh dad told me uh the, the new coach is in here and he said son i want you to listen to him and my dad had never told me one time to listen to any of these coaches <laughs> but he had already met him he'd already liked I, I mean now i know this later they they both agreed on one thing that steve is a really lazy basketball player <laughs> <laughs> And you've got to, I mean, I find this out after I graduate from IU, but I said, well, that explains a lot, you know, when uh, you guys talk, but they, they, they did, you know, they, they met in common ground there and then they had other, you know, other common ground issues too. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the first time I sat with him and, and, and I tell the story that, and I'm sure he told the same thing last, he, he did not talk about playing time. He did not talk. He just said, by the time you're a senior, at IU, we will be. I want to be in a position to compete for the national championship. That's our goal, and it was more or less. We're going to do it with or without you. <laughs> I said, you know, it sounds pretty good. I, you know, so I, right then I, I thought that's that's a guy I, I want to listen to and I and ultimately follow. He came to St. Joe High to see me, and um, he said, uh, John, I want to tell you something. I just signed a contract. Your senior year at IU, if you come to IU, we're going to play in the Rainbow Classic in Honolulu, Hawaii. Well, I've never been out of St. Joe County. And when he said that, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is unbelievable. So I sign up. And, of course, you forget about it for a while. But now it's my senior year, and it's December, and we're going to go to Hawaii over Christmas, you know. And I got hurt in the Notre Dame game. Hurt my leg, and I missed a couple games. And now it's the week to go. And he came over to me at practice, and he said, now, look, he said, uh, 
I, I know I told you about that Hawaii thing, but if you can't play, he said, I, I can't really take you over there. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm, I'm a jaw dropped, and I thought, you got to be kidding me after four years? Yeah. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, uh, I'll play you in a game of horse. And if you beat me in horse, I'll take you. But if I beat you, you're not going. Now, he's 35 years old, okay? So he's not, you know, old. He's, yeah. And he played basketball at Ohio State. I mean, come on, he's a Big Ten basketball player. And, Steve, I, I know I, I just tried the hardest I ever could, and I beat him. I beat him in horse, and he said, all right, you're going to Hawaii. I said, all right, this is going to happen. So he's a motivator in a lot yeah. of different ways. Oh, yeah. And, well, and, and let me tell you, to, to Bob and Joe, that guy cheated at uh, horse, worse than anybody. So for Laz, to, I never did beat him. I never beat him. He intimidated me, but he, he used to shoot trick shots, you know. And I, hey, wait a minute. You're, you know, you won't let me shoot those in a game, and it's like, yeah, I know, but we're playing horse, so yeah, uh, you know, yeah. no rules but my rules. So we're talking about shooting, but we know that Knight always emphasized defense. So for for those of us who are not big X's and O's type of people, what did Knight do or his impact on the actual game of basketball? So Indiana was known as the Hurrying Hoosiers in the 50s and 60s. Let's score 100 points, and if the other team gets 103, well, that's just the way it goes. But um, And he told Orwig, Bill Orwig was the AD that hired him, and he said, and Coach said, I'm going to slow this thing down. We're going to play defense. And it was really an offensive time. You know, Steve and I both averaged 30 points a game in high school, so we used to throwing it up there, you know. Um, and you get to Indiana and you're going to score 10 or 14, you know, because that's the that's how we're going to win the game 70 to 65, whatever the case might be. And so he, he, we just did defensive drills at the first part of practice, and that's all we did. And I said, hey, I'm a shooter. When's the shooting stuff going to start? He said, don't worry about that. We're going to play defense. And the whole mentality was defense first, and then we'll figure out the offense. Yeah, and, and you know, kind of segueing from the recruiting aspect, when I – announced that I was going to go to Indiana. There was a guy in my hometown, uh, Mike Riggle, who played at uh, Pittsburgh. So he had played against Army teams. And the next time I saw him, he looked at me like, are you an idiot? <laughs> he said, <laughs> just like I said, you're a shooter. You don't play defense and you don't like – I go, yeah? I know. He said, that guy's crazy. He said, I've seen him at Army and he's a crazy guy. You'll – You'll hate it, and I go, oh, that's that's nice to hear, Mike. You know, and uh, I was able to obviously talk to Mike later and uh, and make him eat his words, but yeah. uh, but nonetheless, that was kind of the feeling. He was just defensive minded and and somewhat you know a little bit odd from that standpoint. We're talking today with uh, John Laskowski and Steve Green, who were both in Bob Knight's first recruiting class. If you want to join us on the program to talk about Coach Knight, who died this week, uh, our numbers are 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org. You know, you mentioned that if uh, that Coach Knight's pitch was, if you come here, you're going to be playing for the national championship. So your senior year— you guys were undefeated during the regular season. You got into, you know, that's been a well-told story. Scott May broke his arm, lost that game. But what was what was that season like for you? And then what was that last game defeat like? It was uh, it was quite a year. In fact, I talked to Coach Dave Bliss. He's assistant coach a few years back, and Knight had told him that if you beat Michigan at Michigan, it was early in the year for one of the first Big Ten games. He said, if we beat Michigan. We're going to go undefeated in the rest of the season. And he was right because Michigan was very hard to beat up there. We were able to beat them, and we won that game. And so each day we got more confident in who we were. And, you know, we would play Northwestern, and he'd get watch the film, and he'd say, okay, this guy's really good. This guy can jump. This guy can rebound. And, and they were terrible, you know. <laughs> but he built every team up like they were the best team because he was not going to have a letdown. And, and we really did. We had a couple close games. Kansas we beat in overtime. Um, Purdue's always tough to beat, and we beat them uh, on the road at Purdue. Uh, and there we are. We're right there at the end. It was ironic, though, and Steve will probably agree that when we were growing up, I'm talking elementary, junior high, high school, UCLA and John Wooden won every year. As long as we can remember, UCLA was going to win the national championship 10 out of 12 years. And it would have played out that Indiana would have played UCLA in John Wooden's final game in San Diego if we both would have won you know, on Saturday. 
And it would have really been the tur- turning of the guard if Coach would have won and, and would, wouldn't, wouldn't want to lost his last game. But uh, it, it maybe played out the way it should have because the next year they were just not going to be stopped. Mm-hmm. Steve, what was it like to watch them then the next year continue winning like they did yeah. and then actually get the national championship? Well, in fact, I, I was telling Bob Hamill yesterday, we chatted for about 30 minutes and you know, had some tears, had some laughs, and you know, and there's nobody better than Bob to to remember so many of these things. But uh, uh, you know, it it just go, going into that, uh, you know, to the, the senior year, it was there, there was a confidence level. I remember the first practice. I don't know if Laz remembers. I I got everybody together. We you know at the end of that practice. <laughs> And, you know, by this time, Laz and I have been there three years, and I remember looking around at everybody and said, hey, listen, you know the deal here, guys. We're not going to please him if unless we win every single game. We know that now, right? You, you, you've seen what happens when we lose. Let's don't lose. And it was kind of that mantra that – and we're – you know, we, we – we, the year before, Laz and my junior year, we didn't have a senior on the team. So we had basically the same group and same leadership for two straight years. So we just kind of flowed right into the senior year, to our senior year. But it was a, more like a two-year process because we won the the silly CCA tournament at the end of the junior year. When we, in, in nowadays, we would have been a number two seed in the NCAA tournament at worst. Don't you think, Laz? I right. mean, that is no question. That, but that year it was like, nope, if you don't finish first, You've got to go to the either the NIT or this new CCA tournament, and uh, so anyway, we 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 did that, but we did get three more games of experience. Kent Benson got three more games as experience. In fact, he was MVP of that uh, tournament, and so that kind of springboarded us into the the senior year. So we we had high expectations without question. Undefeated, yeah, you know it. As Laz said, once we got into Big Ten, once we knocked off Michigan. Yeah, it became real. And in fact, I believe, Laz, tell me, that weekend, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, that's when we, uh, North Carolina State lost, and we became number one soon thereafter. Right, I right. Think. Mm-hmm. We're getting a couple questions online, when get these on here, uh, about Bob Knight, expected the best from his team on and off the courts. Was Knight's coaching a factor in team members earning their college degrees? Oh, absolutely. In fact, he would stress this is the most important thing. You guys have to graduate. You have to go to class. You, you, uh, and we didn't have tutors or, or a, a, a athletic department uh, area where they had people watching our grades. We just knew we had to do it or we're going to hear from him. And we went to class and passed our tests and, and eventually it evolved to a whole tutoring system with, uh, uh, with today's players. But he was very proud of uh, almost, I think, just two or three players having graduated that he had while he was here at Indiana. Yep. And uh, I still have a letter that I saved from – I don't know, probably the summer between sophomore and junior, junior, senior doesn't make any difference. But it, the, the whole point of the letter was congratulating me on my grade point average. Had nothing to do with basketball, you know, and, and we got to remember, and Laz knows this too, that, you know, his mother, Hazel, was a school teacher. He, he, he really, really, you know, it, it wasn't just part of a recruiting ploy, if you will, to tell uh, young men, that, uh, hey, you come here, we're going to get you an education. It was imperative that that happened. That was the number one thing is to be educated. And and because you're a, good enough at basketball that we're going to give you this opportunity, you take full advantage of it. You guys have both been around the game for a long time now. And, you know, what you've played for Coach Knight, but you've also, I'm sure, been fans and watched the Hoosiers over the years. In your mind, what made him such a great basketball coach such a special coach wow good good question um you know i think it was his uh his culture that he set up i'm the boss here's what we're going to do i know more about basketball than you guys do collectively and you you can try what you want but it's not going to work this is what's going to work and this is how we're going to do it he said by the way you stay away from the referees i'll handle the referees i don't want anybody talking to referee okay you just do your job and we each had a different job to do um, and, and we did that job, and you started winning. You go, man, he's on us all the time. He's yelling, screaming. 
But we keep winning. We keep winning. If we lose every game, lost every game, well, that would have been a different story. But we kept winning and winning and winning. And Steve was right. We got to be fighting for the national championship by the time we were seniors. Mm-hmm. Steve, what yeah. made him special? Oh, gosh, so so many things. I, I think it was uh, – we often commented that he could have been and would have been the best at whatever he chose to do, whether that be uh, – law practice, whether that be professor at, at, at a college, uh, no matter business, whatever that would have been, it, it just so happened that his interest was, was certainly basketball. And he, he was the best at, he went to the older coaches, uh, Hank Ibas, uh, Pete Newells, uh, Claire B. Uh, I mean, the, even Adolph Rupp later on, it, the, he went to those people and learned from them, you know, what, what do I need to do to do this and that? And he took from that, but then he, he, he was a, he loved the motion offense and, and uh, uh, from, from an offensive standpoint and, but from a defensive standpoint, you know, he, he was firm that this is what wins you championships. This is what wins you ball games. And, and, and we bought into it. I, I was laughing with Hamill yesterday that, that uh, even the guys like Lazenby that are shoot first guys, we bought into the defense because once he explained that, hey guys, the better you are at defense, the more times you have the ball on offense. I think I, I think Laz and I looked at this and I go, bingo! All right, there we go. I'll play defense because that gets us the ball more. So he just had a way of of, of 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 making us do what he wanted to do. And fortunately for us, you know, he was right. He, he knew what he was doing. It was a lot more of a mental preparation than it was physical. You know, he'd always say mental is four times more important than the physical. And, you know, we didn't – it took a while to understand that. And yeah. and, and it, to, to go back to the story, uh, our junior year kind of set up the end of that year. We were fighting for the Big Ten Championship. No seniors on the team. We have a road game at Ohio State, and his coach, Fred Taylor, was still the coach at Ohio State. And so that caused a little uh, friction. And Ohio State beat us, and they shouldn't have really beat us. They upset us. And we take this plane home, and we got to play Purdue on Saturday. And if we beat Purdue, we win the Big Ten Championship. And if we lose, second place. And so now it comes down to how mad is he going to be this week because we screwed up against Ohio State. That's the natural thing on the plane home that we're going to have happen. And we go in on Monday, and it's pretty bad. I mean, we're not playing very good, and he doesn't like us, and we're starting not to like him. You know, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and this thing's going the wrong way. And, and I'm wondering, what the heck are we going to do here? We show up on Friday, and um, we get our, 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 our uniforms on, our practice gear. We go out to practice. It wasn't 10 minutes goes by. And he said, that's enough. I've seen it. I've seen it all week. I'm not going to watch it anymore. Back in the locker room. And so we trudge back in the locker room, okay? And in the meantime, between the 10 minutes we were out on practice, he had got the managers uh, to put our game day uniforms on our owner's chairs, okay? And we walk in the locker room, and there's those uniforms sitting on the chair. And we know the game's not till tomorrow. And he starts to talk. And he said, guys, he said, I want to tell you what tomorrow represents. He says, there are alumni out there who are going to watch that game and they're going to listen on the radio, and they've never gotten the chance to play ball at Indiana. And they'd give anything to be in that game and help whatever they could to win a Big Ten championship. And he said, there's former players that played here at IU, and they wore that uniform, and they're going to be watching and listening and, and, and hoping that you're able to win that again. Some have experienced, some hadn't, it, and, and you got a chance to do that. He said, so that's what that uniform represents, all the people that are going to be watching you tomorrow, and, and that's what this game means to them. And so he said, all right, back out to practice. And it was a good five, six, eight-minute talk, you know, and we're kind of pumped up. You know, this is, you know, now it's making sense to us, okay? Forget that week of practice, all right? Now let's go out and have a good practice. So we go out to practice, and in the eight minutes it's taken to give his talk, the manager has been to Baskin and Robbins Ice Cream Place, okay, in Bloomington. And he got a five-gallon drum of ice cream, and he had some chocolate sauce and some cherry sauce and strawberries, some nuts and whipped cream, and... And Steve and I were a couple of the smartest guys on the team. I was two-time All-Big Ten All-Academic. And I looked at that table and I said, fellas, that's ice cream sundaes. <laughs> and I was right, okay? I was right. And there's 12 dishes and 12 bowls. And Coach said, let's have some ice cream sundaes. And we're dipping at 3.30, we're dipping ice cream into this bowl. And I'm thinking, okay, if I have two, 
that's going to be too much to practice. I'm going to be throwing up, you know. And so I had two dishes, and he said, fellas, practice is over. He said, think about what I talked about, and let's go back tomorrow, and let's, let's do something with Purdue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we show up for Purdue. Well, Purdue's going to finish in the middle of the pack, but if they beat Indiana, Indiana's number two, and so they're fired up. And they, and they, they were Indiana guys just like we were, and we're playing, we're fighting. And uh, it's a close game. There's about 30 seconds to go. We got the ball. We got a one-point lead. And I'm sorry Quinn couldn't make it today because he'd love to hear this story. So I'm taking the ball out and I throw it to Buckner, okay? And he's dribbling down the floor. And, and Bruce Parkinson steps in front of him, steals the ball, dribbles down, lays it up. We're down one with 20 <laughs> seconds to go. I think, what the heck just happened? So I have Buckner throw the ball into me this time, okay? Because I'm not going to give it to him again, okay? So I throw it in. <laughs> and I'm looking at coach. I'm looking at coach on the side. This is the greatest coach we've ever had and soon to become one of the greatest in history we didn't know at the time. And I'm looking over for, for the play, okay? What the heck are we going to do, coach? We've got to score two points in the next 20 seconds. And I look at him, and I wish we had a camera because he was giving me a wave with the right arm, come on down, come on down the floor. I said, Coach, that's not a play. <laughs> he, he, he didn't want to call defense, uh, timeout because the defense sets up. He said, bring the ball down, run the offense, and let's score. And so I'm looking around at the guys who keep passing the ball around. Okay, Nobody's taking that shot because if you miss that shot and you're coming back next year, they boo you all year because you missed the shot to beat Purdue. Okay, Eight seconds to go. I take the shot. Somebody's got to do it. I mean, somebody's got to step up here. Okay, And so I take the shot. It misses. Okay. <laughs> But I'm fighting for the rebound. I get fouled. All right, one and one, eight seconds to go to win the Big Ten championship. And uh, I made the first shot, and Purdue called timeout. So now we got over the bench. Now he's going to talk to us. And I'm thinking, oh, man, what's he going to say now? I'm an 80% free throw shooter, okay? I make eight out of ten, okay? But I also miss two out of ten. What am I thinking about? I'm thinking about those two, you know, because they don't want to miss this one, you know. He sets us down. And he goes right down the line. Green, here's what I need you to do. Buckner, here's what I need you to do. Wilkerson, here's what I need you to do. Benson. Uh, and it takes him exactly a minute to get done. He says, after Laz makes this next free throw, here's the defense we're going to do. And I'm sitting there listening to that, and he said, he thinks I'm going to make this. <laughs> he thinks that it's one of the eight, okay? And I go out there, and I make the free throw. Purdue brings the ball down. It goes to Mike Steele in the corner at the buzzer. He takes a shot to win the game, and my buddy Steve Green blocks that shot. We talked about earlier, the only block shot in his career. He blocks that shot, and we win the game. The students swarm the court. They carry me off the floor. John Ryan, the president, in the locker room after the game to congratulate us all. And so it started with that Ohio State loss, how are you going to beat Purdue, and then the whole week, and then the ice cream and the talk and all that stuff is it what made him so good because he knew in situations I can either yell at these guys or I can encourage them, which one am I going to do? And it always seemed to play out that he knew what he was going to do, and, and we ended up winning that game. It's probably surprising to a lot of people that he had that encouragement part of them. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. It was there. It was there. All right. Well, we have a phone call. Uh, we have a phone call from Dave from Bloomington. He wants to come on the air and tell a short story about Coach Knight. Hello? Hello, Dave. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, guys. Great show. I uh, love the stories. And uh, my story's a little off the, the game, but um, I worked at the IU bookstore back in the 80s, and it was the year that Season on the Brink was published. And it was Christmas break, and I was stocking books, and Bob would come in with his players, and he'd have a, they'd each have their slip of paper with the textbooks listed. So I go around and get the textbooks for him. And it was that afternoon, and Bobby was standing by the exit, which is where the checkout was, register. And there was a young lady buying a copy of Season on the Brink. And Bob was right there by the exit, by the checkout, and he approaches the young lady and said, Would you like me to sign that? And she was so tickled. And I thought that was such a great thing for him to do. What a great Christmas present that must have been for her to give her father. So uh, that's just my story about how nice Bobby Knight could be. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. We appreciate your call. All right. If you you have a question or a 
a story you want to share or a question for John Laskowski and Steve Green, you can give us a call, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send questions to the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. So, you know, my next question that I have, I guess, is about how he, you know, we, we always talk about how he was a coach on and off the court. How did he help you guys after you graduated? How did he help you off the court? Steve, Steve, go ahead. Well, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I guess it's tough to, to, to list them all. You know, he was always there to answer a phone call. There's no question about that. Um, you know, there, to me, there's no doubt in my mind that when I got into dental school and I, and I actually got in, in the first round, if you will, um, in my senior year, it, it was December of my senior year. And that's what I was going to do. I was going to go straight to dental school. I, I wasn't thinking of professional basketball at that time, but we've already alluded to the fact that the second half of that season became a, a more or less a magical one that elevated both Laz and me, uh, to, you know, the status where the pros were looking at you. But, but, but during my interview at the, uh, for dental school, you know, I could always tell there, there were, you know, I had, they had these three people you had to kind of get by to get onto the next round. And, and two of the three, all they wanted to talk about was Bob Knight basketball <laughs> and this other chemistry guy that, you know, was like, Hey, what, I see your chemistry grades aren't that, you know, not up to snuff or whatever the heck. And those other two guys, you know, were, were like, Hey, shut up. We, we got <laughs> things to talk about. We're, we want to learn about Bob Knight. But, but I knew that that, Hey, come on, that grease the wheels. I, you know, yeah, I had to do a certain amount of work and I, you know, and I, once I got in, I, you know, and, and that's the way coach was, was, Hey, I'll help you out, but you're going to have to do the work, you know? And, and that was the, that, that was our, uh, kind of our, our, our agreement, our contract, you know, you, you still got to work hard, you know, what, what you've learned here at IU, you've got to apply that to whatever else you do, but I'll help you in any way that I can to, to do that. And if it's a, uh, you know, an autographed picture to somebody that, uh, you know, that is, that would really like it, he would do that. But it's also, Hey, can you, uh, you know, I, I remember my, uh, Gosh, I, I'd played four years of professional basketball, and we had a big game. Uh, gosh, when was that, Les? It was probably the summer of 79. Was he? That's the Pan Am team. Right, I think right. He was coaching, yep. and we had a big gathering. We had a game. And uh, he he actually said, hey, I, I, you know, I want Steve to start this game instead of Tommy Aberdathy, this you know, game against the Pan Am. He was telling, you know, telling us beforehand, he said, because Steve, you know, it's a contract year. He needs the exposure more than Aber does. I mean, he, he would do that kind of stuff for you too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was always, you know, always thinking about your future. Uh, But you, you know, you got to be sure to put the work in too. Yeah. I, uh, I got drafted surprisingly and I called him. He said, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. He was my agent. Okay. He hired a young attorney named Steve Ferguson, who's a well-known uh, player here in Bloomington, as my attorney, the legal side, and negotiated the thing. And I think Ferguson charged me $400 for a $250,000 contract. Uh, and then uh, of that team in 1975, there were eight players who made the NBA. It was quite a number at the time. Uh, but of those eight, I was the first one cut, released, okay, after two years with the Bulls. And uh, he called me up and he said, hey, he said, I want you to come down here. I want you to be my color commentator on TV. He said, I need somebody who can educate the people of Indiana about Indiana basketball. We're not the Hurry and Hoosiers anymore. We're going to play defense. And, and you, I, you, you know, I said, Coach, I know the offense. I know the defense. I know all that stuff. I said, but, you know, I'm a pretty shy guy. I, I do not know anything about TV, and I don't think I could, you know, do that. I said, what do you have to do to be on TV? He said, well, when the red light comes on, start talking. <laughs> and that's all I had. That's all I had. And Chuck Marlowe was just wonderful to work with. Steve was on some pregame and postgame shows with us over the years, and he and I did a couple games. Um, and, and 10 years go by, and then Coach is ready to make a change, and Chuck's going to be leaving. And he said, why don't you be the play-by-play guy? I said, Coach, I don't think about play-by-play. you got to do the commercials. you got to do the introductions. I said, that, I'm the color guy. He goes, no, you're the play-by-play guy. <laughs> so, as Steve knows, you don't say no okay yeah. 
But the one thing about him is he sees you and he knows more what you can do than you do, especially as a player. In a situation, he knows who to put where. In this TV thing, he said, you've done this for 10 years. You can do this. And I actually like that more. And that's when Ted Kitchen and I teamed up. He was my color commentator. And I was a straight guy and asked the questions and did the commercials. And they had cards, so I didn't have to memorize anything. <laughs> and Kitchen was just off the chart. I mean, he would just say anything. And, and, and he was the color guy for sure. It fit. And, and people still tell me today, those 10 years were the best of IU basketball we saw. You guys were so good. And the teams were good. Um, and so it was that belief that Coach had in us that you could do anything you need to do, and I'll help you get there. But as Steve said, you got to get to do the job once you get there. But I'll make the calls to get you make it happen. I think we have some audio with head coach uh, Mike Woodson that we'd like to play right now. In Indiana basketball, you know when when you. When you lose a legend like Bob Knight, who meant the world to me, man, in terms of my growth, um, I mean, he basically shaped my whole career. So this program will truly miss a, an icon, man. Uh, it's hard to really describe in words what he meant to me, but boy, I wouldn't be sitting in this seat today if it wasn't for Bob Knight. So to his family, you know, I wish him nothing but the best moving forward. If there's anything I could ever do, I'm going to always be here for him. We don't have a, uh, you know, we don't we don't have nearly enough time to tell all the stories that there are to tell about him. But I want to I want to just skip over some of the thing. You know, there were a lot. There was a lot of controversy, a lot of things that happened. I just want to ask the two of you about about you know, Coach Woodson's talking about you know what night meant to IU basketball. What do you guys think when there was finally the reunion with Co Coach Knight coming back? Can you talk about, you know, that reunion and that, that time when he came back to Assembly Hall for the first time? Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. You know, he had moved back to town, hadn't really been to a lot of things yet. Um, and then somehow that got together. And I know Randy Whitman made a nice call to him. Coach, you need to be here for this. And Steve was right there front and center uh, with, with some of the 76 team as well. Isaiah and Woodson was there at that time as well. Uh, but you talk about a healing process. As, as he just slowly walked out to that court, the fans just went wild. And, and the buzz was just tremendous. Uh, we got to spend some time with him, and it was kind of the first time we've all had a chance to be with him uh, since he came back to Indiana. And he just started to lighten up that he, he felt that this was the place for him. And I know he loved being back here and all the friends he got to see that he'd missed so much, you know, being so far away in Texas. Mm -hmm. Steve, how about putting that whole thing together? Yeah, it's it, uh, – I'll give you a perspective that, uh, you know, not not many – know uh, that when he was at Texas Tech, I, I went down and visited him uh, one summer and we're on our way to, you know, get coaches ice cream. You know, of course he gets, you know, got it from Laz for the, all these years. <laughs> yeah. Laz, but yeah, yeah he, he was an ice cream man and, you know, we've already heard the ice cream story. But at that time, he was not in the IU Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and of course, there was bad blood, and 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 I, and I was—I'll be very honest—in talking to him, you know, I I knew that was a topic that you know I'm I'm going to be the faithful son here and say, you know, Coach, uh, that that's terrible, you know, and I, I don't care if they ever ask me to do anything again, I'm not going to do it until they recognize you and blah blah blah. And he stopped me short. He he looked at me and he said, Steve, that's your alma mater. He said there are great people at Indiana University. I had trouble with some. But I have so much respect for so many people there. So, you know, I, there there was always there was not publicly, but there was always an appreciation for IU, and for and I. But I. But even at that, I never saw him coming back. You know, but as it turned out, it was a wonderful thing. It, it you know things fell into place. The family, you know, had to feel comfortable about it. And I, and even uh, you know minutes before he went out on the court, there was. There was buzz back there, and I was talking to, to his wife, and, you know, we were all looking at each other. We hope this goes well. We hope that, that you know, this is not something that, 
the, the noise and the commotion, you know, would, would cause any kind of uh, uh, negative response. And we were all delighted, all the players, the fans, you know, we were all delighted in how that day went. You know, I, I, I could never have imagined it being as positive as it was. And I'm so glad that as Laz said that that, that helped us with some closure because let's face it, you know, that it was like a divorce, it, it, you know, in 2001. And, uh, it was, it was like that, uh, you know, mommy and daddy had divorced and, you know, what, what you going to do? <laughs> and, you know, I, I was, I always said, I, I was the guy that I wanted to go to IU way before coach Knight ever went there. I went to branch McCracken's camps in the summertime. I knew all those guys. I, I loved, it. I knew Mary Jo McCracken and you know the the bands and all that so you know I, I i wanted to do that but i always said i went to indiana university but i graduated from bob knight university because <laughs> it meant that much to me that uh, he you know that he was that uh, that big a part of that university for me so anyway i, I was glad to see that and, and you know and it just we got lucky to tell you the truth that it, it all turned out the way it did and 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 for it to be the purdue game and gene katie to be there who you know, the, the, I, I went over to him afterwards. I said, Coach Katie, good to see you. He said, I wouldn't have missed this. <laughs> so he, those two guys liked each other because I think they, they respected each other. There's no question. Steve, you mentioned there, you know, the controversies and, of course, the, the firing back then. How did that affect mm-hmm. you? Well, I, I just – for me, it was uh, – I, I was, you know, I was angry. I was upset. Uh, uh, and I, you know, I, I said – I'm. I'm loyal to him, not the university. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's the way it, it, it played out until he sat me down that day and said, you're, you're wrong. You know, you need to, you're, you're loyal to that university. You can be loyal to me, but you can be loyal to, that's your university. And so, and, and you know, I love IU. And so it was, it was, but it was still that it, you know, I wanted the approval of that man. How about you, Laz? Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, I was working at the university in the alumni office. I was doing the games on TV. So, man, it was a real conflict for me because, uh, you know, I had two roles here at the university and coach and, and the players were like, this is this is terrible. So um, I'm glad to see that it did play out the way it did because there needed to be some closure. It took a long time, but it happened. And, and I think all the players are happy it did. And I, I think coaches will. Uh, it happened. So we've got about 10 minutes to go in the program. If anybody has a, a call, wants to give us a call with a question or send us a question, it's 812-855-0811, toll-free 1-877-285-9348. You can also send questions to the show to news at indianapublicmedia.org. I want to make sure that you guys have a chance to tell your go-to Bob Knight story. I know you've all got lots of – you've both got lots of stories, but what's that one story – People don't know about that go-to story that you uh, like to tell. Laz? Um, you know, I would say uh, uh, names will go unmentioned because I don't know who the names are. But but we, my mom would always go to the Notre Dame game because she's right there in South Bend. And we played there twice during my career. And, uh, and of course, she came to a lot of home games too. But she was in South Bend. We beat Notre Dame. And I was visiting with my mom after the game in the hallway, and coach comes out of the locker room, and, and he's in a good mood, you know, so it's going to be good. And he walks by her, and she's scared to death of him. When he would come to take me out to dinner, or she would never visit with him, and she just said, you and Coach Donald handle this. I, I, don't, want, uh, I don't want any part of this, you know, because <laughs> uh, he was just that, that presence, you know. And he, we see him coming. He's got about 20 feet, and he walks up to us. He goes, Mrs. Laz. You're one of my favorite mothers. And it's like, wow, I mean, she's scared to death of you, and you're saying you're one of her favorite mothers? He says, uh, he says, because you're not a pain in the ass like those other mothers. <laughs> I said, what was that? <laughs> so I'm sure that wasn't your mom, Steve, but there were some mothers no, no. that he uh, <laughs> that he didn't like, okay? And she, she took that as a compliment, which she should have. Yeah. Steve, uh, how about you? Yeah, I, the, the one that, you know, when people say, hey, sum, you know, sum it up, what, what was his attitude about, you know, coaching? You know, I, I, I tell a story that I, uh, it was uh, my senior year playing against uh, Illinois at home. And, we, you know, as last, we, there were certain teams, we'd get scouting reports and we'd have assistant coaches telling us, yeah, that this team is really great. They're going to kill you. And we'd look at each other and go, that that assistant, you know, Bob Weltling doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, we were confident, and Illinois was one of those teams. We're gonna, we're gonna beat them. 
And I wasn't having a particularly good game. And so coach yanks me out and puts Aber in for me. But by the time you're a senior, you know, as a sophomore, when you get yanked out, you went to the end of the bench. <laughs> but when you're a senior, it was almost like it defined, like, you took me out, but I'm going to sit close to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this uncomfortable for you. So I sat, there was, Dave Bliss was in between Coach Knight and me. And I sat down there and Aber, Aber proceeds to have probably the worst five minutes of basketball he's ever played. You know, I, he threw a bad pass, and I and I saw Coach just kick. You know, he just oh boy, he's getting mad, he's getting red, and and I go, oh baby, it's coming, it's coming, and sure enough, Coach caught timeout, timeout, and I go, oh man, there's nothing more that we liked than to see somebody else's butt get chewed out. <laughs> and I said, Aber's going to get a good one here. You know, it was all right. This, you know, all is fine with the world. Well, I put my hands on my knees to get up from that chair, and who's nose is on my nose and whose red eyes are looking at me and I'm going what what did I do and he said green if you knew how to play this game I wouldn't have to watch that crap out there <laughs> <laughs> and I said that's Bob Nice like it you know what the it was true had I done my job he wouldn't have had to put Aber in that position you know that was his his thing to me and I was like yeah you're you're crazy but I kind of get you but it was Ten years later, I got that, but it, that was a, that was the scariest and funniest thing. Said, no, it's your fault that he's playing like that. Yeah, and that's uh, Tom Abernathy. We should say Aber is Tom Abernathy yeah, Ab- who Tom played. Abernathy, right. He played a little time in the NBA too, didn't he? he sure did. Yeah, exactly. Right. It wasn't like he's a bad player. It's just uh-uh, I'm not watching that. So it's Steve, your fault. <laughs> Steve and I were sophomores, hadn't even played yet, and we also had that Fort Wayne exhibition game, and we drive to Fort Wayne. A lot of IU fans. We come back, and and Bob Wetlick. He was the bad cop. Dave Bliss was the good cop. He calls Steve and I into a conference room to watch the film from the game. And he keeps rolling this film. Steve Green, is that all the higher you can jump? John, is that the fastest you can run up that floor? And he just drilled us for a half hour. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, wh- where's the rest of the guys? How come the two of us are getting chewed out? So you got Steve Downing as your center. You got Quinn Buckner and Jimmy Cruz as your guard. You got uh, uh, John Ritter as your forward. Well, what I figured out after time was there were two missing links, a fifth starter and a sub to come in and make it happen. And Knight knew we could be those two guys. But we had to do a better job of what we're doing or this team wasn't going to happen. And once we figure that out, like where are the other guys, well, he's seen the other guys. And for this year, this team, we were the two that could make it happen. And we came out of that room, and I started running faster, and he started jumping higher, and we make the final four that year. And I think a lot of that had to do with that meeting that uh, that I'll never forget. Okay, I'm as old as you guys, so I watched that final four game. Was it a block or was it a charge? It was absolutely a charge, but because UCLA's winning 10 out of 12 in a row, they're not going to call <laughs> Bill Walton for a fifth foul. Steve made a great play there. Yeah, Steve Downing, yeah. who's now at Marion College. And, Be here tonight. In, in Indianapolis. And he, uh, yeah, it was uh, – those of you who aren't as old as we are, it was it was a pivotal pivotal point in that game against UCLA. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you, and, and Laz makes a good point there. Excuse me for interrupting, but no. it, remembering that Laz and I we got to play a lot as sophomores. We were forcing, you know, there's no freshman eligibility our freshman year. We played on a freshman team, but we we were fortunate, and for those three years, we got to play a lot. We got to play, you know, in the champ, you know, the, the final four, and in a lot of big big games, but. You know, you're talking to two guys that really appreciate what Coach Knight did for us athletically, too. You know, not just academically and then the rest of our lives. But, yeah, he, he made those decisions that allowed us to, to play a lot of minutes. Well, we're almost out of time, but you each get one minute. If you can just kind of finish up here and just how will you remember Coach Bob Knight? We'll start with you, Laz. Well, I, it's not sad at all. You know, it's, it's going to happen to all of us. And I want to remember the good memories and the great stories that we've been able to share with you folks, too, because they far outweigh the negative things that I think he was noted for. That just comes with the territory. And he knew there were some things he was shortfalled on, uh, but that was part of who he was. And, and because of all the good things that he did, you heard the caller talk about uh, there's thousands of those stories that he touched people with. And to be one of those players that he had had over those 29 years, it, it just, as Mike Woodson said, it changed your life forever and it would never have been the same. I would have gone to IUSB and studied accounting and you'd have never heard of me if, uh, if it hadn't been for basketball. Yep. And I'll just echo with, with Laz. It, it just was, uh, 
you know, I, I'm celebrating more than anything else because, you know, right. basically, you know, two or three years ago was the, the last time we saw the, the, the real coach. In fact, when I, uh, when I used to go down and, and see him here in the last two or three years, just to see if that, that guy was still there, I would just throw out eight off rough and then he'd say four or five expletives and I go, Oh, there he is. There's coach. I knew, I knew, I knew there was one piece of chum I could throw out yeah. there. He'd bite on it, but I'll, I'll miss all of those things. But I will, I will always be indebted to that man uh, for, for what he meant to not just me, but my whole family. Is there anything, we, we still have about a minute to go. Is there anything that you wish the university could do to, you know, it's, it's, it's out of your hands, I'm sure, but anything that they, the university could do to commemorate what well, he meant to I. Everybody I see says, let's name the floor after him. But Branch McCracken had the floor named after him. Two national championships, building a new building. It just made sense that Branch would, would be there. So that's not going to happen. It's already been named. So um, I, I'm sure there's something else that will be in the works that could happen to honor him. Um, but he didn't want anything while he was still with us. And so obviously we've, we've honored that as well. But let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the athletic department, Scott Dolson, you know, they, they, they're very respectful. and They're going to uh, sit back here and, and talk with the family too. You know, that's, that's going to be part of what, what, what are they comfortable with. So, uh, but right now it's just a, a kind of a wait and see. All right. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank you guys. It's been great to, to have you both. Uh, Steve Green, who joined us by Zoom. Steve was Coach Bob Knight's first recruit. And John Laskowski, what were you, John? I was Second, the luckiest, luckiest recruit <laughs> <laughs> of 29 years. I'm the luckiest guy. John Laskowski and Steve Green have been here sharing stories about Coach Bob Knight. I want to thank them uh, for being here. There is a game tonight. I know there will be some honors bestowed on Coach Knight at the exhibition game uh, this evening. So for uh, my co-host, Joe Wren, thanks for being here, Joe. Thank you. And for Mike Pashkash, our engineer, Ethan Sandweiss and Kathy Knapp were our producers today. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org and from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey service for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com.